What is going on, everybody? Welcome to a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. I am your host, John Harris. Glad to be with you. It's Wednesday, so it's my day, but Mark's out of the country, I think. I think he's in Denver. So, you know, look, when I say he's out of the country, he's out of the state of Texas. I mean, it's all that matters, right? So he's out of the country. He's in Dallas. I think he's up there with uh, Jesse and Anov. So they're up there doing some work uh, at a seminar up in Denver. So I'll have you tonight and... I will have you tomorrow as John and John take over. John McClain will join me for tomorrow's show, so you definitely want to keep that circled on the calendar. Tonight, we got our Wednesday night draft, and this is one of my favorites. Not because I'm old curmudgeonly now that I've hit 47, but I have pet peeves, and you guys have them too. Now, there isn't a lot that riles me up for the most part, but I have pet peeves, and a lot of them that pertain to football. So, DP and Drew will stop by for our football pet peeve Wednesday night draft. You definitely want you definitely want to hear this. There's some fun, and I know you're probably sitting there going, "I've got one. Oh, I've got one." Once you hear these, they'll definitely trigger some because there there were some I was thinking about, and then I would think about something else, and I was like, "Oh, I got so I've got a list of about twelve. I hope I get three or four of them." But all of them started kind of flooding in. I'm sure as I hear theirs, I'll want to draft some of theirs as well, or something ancillary to that. So our Wednesday night draft football pet. Peeves. I kind of wish Mark were here for that because this is kind of Mark's. Mark, I know, would tell you about overtime. He hates NFL overtime. So he he would definitely, that would be one of his football pet peeves. Uh, we're also going to have Dave Fletcher, GM of LSSC. He's going to stop by. We're going to talk a little college football. The Football Bowl Association was here in town with its annual meetings. And so Fletch has been dealing a lot with that. And so he was over there yesterday. Bill O'Brien spoke to the crew and some great stuff coming out of there. And I got a question for him as it pertains to bowls. And players that don't play in the Bulls, is it impacting them? Is it impacting the Bulls? I tend to think that in some cases it's impacting some players too. And I think the way that NFL teams are looking at them, it becomes it becomes an interesting talking point. I think in a few years you're going to start seeing it go the other way because the NFL is saying to these players, look, you tell me you're a team player but you're not playing your bowl game? That's not a team player thing to do. So from that perspective, pretty interesting stuff. So we'll talk with David Fletcher in our next segment. But it's time to go in the lab. Each and every week, Drew and I go in the lab. And this week, we geeked out on what our master's dinner would be. We also talked about, well, we did a let me talk, uh, tell me about, and you can hear that. But we also did some Texans offense over-unders. So here you are from In the Lab Podcast, Drew Doherty and myself. Let's do some overs and unders, John. Last year, Deshaun Watson threw 29 touchdowns. Or excuse Wait, me, last year he threw 26. 26. right. This year, will he throw more or less than 29? I'm assuming one of those questions is how many games Will Fuller plays over under a certain number. So if I go over that number, uh-huh. then I got to go over. Because as soon as Will Fuller's on the field, when Will Fuller's on the field with Deshaun Watson – there's almost a guaranteed touchdown going to happen in that game. They've played together 11 times, They've 11 games, and they've he's thrown 11 touchdowns. Before. In those 11 games, I'd like to know how many DeAndre Hopkins has had as well. Uh, good question. Because it's, it's a pretty significant number as uh-huh. well. So I just off the top of my head, I remember in the game against Kansas City in 2017, Fuller had two, Hopkins had three. In the Seattle game, Hopkins had two, Fuller had two. So it's 11 in 11 games for Fuller. It's probably at a minimum 9 to 11 for Hop in those games. That's 22 right there. 
uh, anywhere twenty two, and that's at eleven games. You feel like if he throws a couple more in the other five games, then you're talking another. I think he's going to be over. There's going to come a time where that 29 just gets obliterated. And that's the best that anyone, any Texans quarterback has ever Yeah, it's, 29 was Schaub in 10 or, 10 9. or 9. 10 or 9. One of the two. I think that number is going to get obliterated at some point. Yeah. And I'm hoping it's 2019. It would be kind of nice because then he can just keep obliterating that number. But I think he gets into the 30 category. I'm going over. Okay. Over. Over. All right, the tight end position. All players who are tight ends, mm-hmm. so Fells, Griffin, yep, Aikens. Thomas and Akins. Yep. Maybe one of them's not there. Maybe there's another a rookie added to the mix. Okay. But the tight end spot as a whole combined will catch six and a half touchdown passes. I'm over gonna, or under? I'm gonna go under. Think so? Not not because I don't think they'll produce. You think the wide receiver is gonna gobble yeah. up those scores? I think I think the wide receivers get some. I think they'll probably be in the four or five range. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that big baby will get all of them. But he had four last year. I do think I do think the tight ends will will with Aikens and Thomas and Griffin in particular, and, and we'll see with Fells. It'd be interesting with Fells, like how much of a pass receiver he he is, or what they need him to be. I mean, really, he's a good pass protector. It's kind of interesting from that perspective. But but he's caught three touchdowns each. I think three of the last four have, years. You have options with the tight ends, which is nice. But I think what's going to end up happening. Just looking at those 11 games that Will has played with uh, Deshaun and DeAndre in that game, how many big plays were there? There were a ton, a ton of big plays. They're scoring way outside the red zone. And even when they got in the red zone, they were they were running that zone read, hit the slant across the middle. I mean, that was, that was total money. It's been money since they've had Deshaun. So the receivers, I think, are going to get the lion's share. I do think the tight ends will remain will remain productive in the passing game. But I think the big plays get them in the end zone, and I think that's where that's where they're going to have uh, that's where the, the receivers will really kind of take over. I would I I wouldn't be surprised in that number over twenty nine if Hop and Will both get over ten, and if they both get over ten, shut it down. It's crazy because no Texans receiver had double digit receiving touchdowns until Hopkins in twenty fifteen. Yeah, so the first. 13 years of your franchise, you didn't have that. That's bananas. Uh, I think six and a half. I think the Texans tight ends are going to hit that. I really do because Fells is a big target, and I think he, I, I think people are sleeping on him. I think he's going to end. And then I think Jordan Akins didn't catch any last year. I think he will catch some this year. I yeah. think Thomas will you know keep keep producing. He's another big target. Yeah. I think they're going to hit it over. I think they're going to hit that over. I, I'm just going to I'm going to mildly disagree with you, John. That's fine. I would love to see them hit the over. We can still disagree. I mean, if the running backs get involved in the passing game like they're supposed to and Kiki is back healthy like he's supposed to be and Will and Hop get to the number I think they're going to get to, I think you're talking about double digits for both of them. I'd like to see Kiki in at least the five to seven range, which would be fantastic. And then, you know, running back gets a couple here or there. I do think the tight ends get four or five. So I think you're talking about 32, 33 touchdowns for Deshaun. Uh, at that point, if he's obviously uh, playing all 16 games, so I, I just I feel like the number at six and a half is a good number because I feel like you know like four, five, six even is a good number for that group. How about this number, 1,300 Ooh. combined receiving yards for Will Fuller and QT? Uh, it's got under. I'm I'm going over. Okay. Now that's fingers crossed, but I'm going over. If if they're both healthy for 16 games, they'll obliterate that number. 
I mean, I think Will in 16 games, even if Will catches only 50 balls, he'll be he'll be near a thousand yards. Uh, but I think he's going to catch more than that. I think he's proven that if he's healthy, the way that he was playing receiver last year, how refined his game has become. Then you throw in QT, you know, one of these, one of the, you know, look, he had 11 catches at Indy the first time, and he had over 100 yards. He ends up treating it's almost like a run game kind of thing. But it's like you know, if he's catching eight nine balls, you know, it's going to be you know, 70, 75 yards at a minimum. He's doing that each week. Will's doing his thing each week. I think you got an opportunity to go well over 1,300. All right. Plus or minus last year, turnover differential, Texans were plus 13. They had 13 more takeaways yeah. than they did turnovers. That's really high. That was second best in the NFL. It was yep. a really, really, really good season. So let's – I'm going to recalibrate. Do you think the Texans are going to be – over or under plus six next year, turnover differential. If you're plus six, you're still in like the top yeah, five, Yeah, you're still pretty 10. good, yeah. I mean, you were really smoking in that category. So plus 13 last year. You get more than halved, but you're still a six over. I'm going to go – I'm going to – oh, boy, that's tough. Isn't it? That, I'm I think that's go, the toughest one Okay, so here's my logic. I'm going to go under. Here's yeah. my logic. With, you can still have a great season if you go under There's that. no question. There's no question. But I feel like with Will and Hop, when those two are on the field, I feel like Deshaun takes more chances. Mm-hmm. And when he takes more chances, it does lead to bigger plays, but I think it does lead to, to some turnovers at times. The one thing this the one thing that that our bat well, at least Lamar doesn't do much. Now Deontay did fumble in the Eagles game, so he's got a, his his Ball security's got to be much better this year, and you don't know what a rookie might bring in from that perspective. But they didn't fumble the ball much, and when they did fumble, it wasn't really the cause of just being lazy with it. The only one that was that you would go, "Oh, well," was the Dallas game with mm-hmm. with DeAndre. He had the ball in one hand; it got popped out. Lamar fumbled in the Giants game, and then obviously Deshaun and and Lamar kind of botched the the handoff, the first handoff of the year. But other than that, they really didn't fumble the ball. The only times they did were when Deshaun got hit, like against Philly. Chris Long hit him, hit him from behind, he fumbled the ball that way. But they really don't fumble the ball. But Deshaun will take chances throwing it. I do think that last year, turnover-wise, man, they were just ball hawks. They were all over the place. But you're adding in Gibson, who I think can be that way. Uh, you're adding in Bradley Roby, uh, who hopefully in man coverage can make some plays. So I do think that You've got the opportunity to create some. You still have Watt coming off the edge, and he created a ton of turnovers last year. So I feel like talking myself over plus six, I just think that getting to that number, doing it back-to-back years is so hard. Really hard. It is so hard. But I do feel like getting it's going to be under because I do think the offense will take more chances because Deshaun knows he's got hop and will, and so he's going to take more chances trying to get the ball to those two guys. So um, I'm going to say under that plus six. Okay. God, that kills me. We did that a couple days ago, and I thought about that overnight. And, man, I really feel like they can get the plus six. I just think it's going to be tough. They had a really good turnover year last year. And as I mentioned, they didn't fumble the ball a lot. And Deshaun got the interception bug sort of curtailed about week four, week five, week five, I guess. Well, he did have the one against, uh, against Dallas, but then he had a stretch of three or four games where he didn't throw an interception. We didn't have a turnover. So... I do think we'll create turnovers, but I think it's imperative that we have both Clowney and Watt. We have a defensive back in the draft that can create
create plays. Sean Gibson creates some turnovers. Then I think they can get the plus six. But they were so good at doing it last year to repeat that year after year. Man, that's that, and that's kind of my that's kind of my thing. But I also think with Will coming back, there's an opportunity to do some things down the field, and they'll take some chances. No, no doubt with Will back, they'll definitely take some chances, and I I can I can live with that. I can live with a couple of interceptions because they're trying to throw the ball deep to Will Fuller down the field. But I've been thinking more about having Will back. Man, I cannot wait. Just watching this team with Will Fuller in the lineup versus not having him. Oh, I just I don't even want to go there. I just don't. I want to have Will Fuller in this lineup. I want to have Kiki QT in this lineup. I want to have DeAndre Hopkins in this lineup. And I want to have Deshaun upright and no 62 sacks this year. And then I want to see where this offense is. They could be scary. But they all got to be healthy. And it's a big, big if given the injury history of those players I mentioned. Not DeAndre Hopkins, of course. But uh, that's, that is key. And it's paramount this 2019 season. All right. We're going to talk some college football next with our good friend, General Manager of Lone Star Sports Entertainment, David Fletcher, next on Texans All Access. Welcome back to a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris. Joining me right now is my good friend from LSSC, and there's so much going on over there, but we're going to talk a little bit of football. It's my man, David Fletcher. Fletcher, what's going on, brother? How you hey, doing? Johnny, it's great to, to be with you. And yeah, you're definitely right. It's been a busy week on the football front. Houston this week is... Uh, very honored to be hosting the Football Bowl Association annual meeting. Uh, for those of you not familiar with that, I bet you're yeah. familiar with college football postseason. Uh, yes. And that is the annual gathering with all the conferences, the media rights holders, and all the bowl games, uh, as well as vendors and staff. So it's it's a really great honor to host that. Uh, we've been very active over in, uh, at, uh, at the Galleria area. And uh, a lot of big names, including uh, one – Head coach Bill O'Brien, uh, part of the uh, festivities, uh, uh, serving as a keynote speaker. Um, of course, he was joined by Commissioner Bob Bowlesby from the Big 12, Greg Sankey from the SEC, our, our, our partners, our conference partners in the Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl, and uh, all really giving some great insight into the future of, of football and in college football in particular, as well as just talking about some of the issues that um, – that are on the horizon as it relates to, to football. So uh, you you know as well as anybody that football is a 365-day-a-year oh, yeah. thing. Uh, college football has its ebbs and flows, but uh, it's really great to be able to be talking about it uh, this much in early April. I hope somebody at Bill O'Brien's meeting asked him about going to bowl games because when he was at Penn <laughs> State, he never went to a bowl game. Now, he did go when he was at Georgia Tech and then I think at Maryland. But, uh, but yeah, just <laughs> ironic. But – to that end, Fletch, I get asked this question a lot by people because we saw this uh, We saw this here at, uh, a couple years ago, and I'm trying to think if it happened this year. No, because I think I mean, with Vanderbilt and Baylor, Jalen Hurd was hurt, but Jawan Williams played in the game. You know, two years ago against when Texas played Missouri, Connor Williams didn't play in the game, and um, Malik Jefferson was banged up, but he could have played maybe, but he decided not to. You've had players that have decided, okay, I'm not going to play in a bowl game. It's not really impacted us all that much here, and the bowl game has been strong, as strong as any game, any bowl game there is. But was there any worry? Has there ever been talk amongst the at the FBA, the group, that you know the 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 players not playing in bowl games is impacting the bowls in any way, shape, or form? Has there been any of that sort of domino effect, or has it been just too too? few selected guys that do it that the bowl game 
still goes on because the bowl game is what it is and a player decides not to play, it's fine. We still have got the two teams that we want to have in it. What's been sort of the impact that that you've kind of heard about bowls from that perspective? Because I know there are a lot of analysts out there like, the bowls will eventually die. And I don't know that I agree with that. I don't think the bowls will die because step in our building for the Texas Bowl. I mean, step in there and watch that bowl game and tell me that the bowl is going to die in a short amount of time. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, what, well, what have been your thoughts and what have you heard? Well, I, I certainly would say that the, to start with your last point, uh, the bowl industry uh, is, is as strong a part of the communities as it's ever been. Um, you know, you're talking about an industry that ha- delivers over $1.5 billion in annual economic impact to 33 <laughs> communities here in, in the United States. Uh, over 25,000 Student-athletes, from the players to the band students, the spirit groups, have had positive experiences each and every year in bowl games. And you look at the financials, over $460 million distributed back to higher education institutions just last year alone. Um, So when when the the, the demise is greatly, uh, I think, uh, overstated, but it is certainly something that is a topic of discussion when it relates to players participating in the game. uh, You know, my – my stance on it is certainly that it is a personal choice, um, and that is something that I think that, that the players themselves have. But uh, as 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 the promoter, you know, you certainly want to have the best product on the field that you sure. possibly can. The fans are, are traveling in; they're paying money. Um, they want to see and support their their teams and all their players. You, you look at two instances here in Houston that I think do make a lot of sense uh, as to why it's a it, it's it's a very important reason to play in the game. Um, you know, and and I point to 2015. Texas, I'm sorry, 2016, Texas A&M playing against Kansas State here. Miles yeah. um, Garrett was going to be the number one pick in the draft. No question about it. Had right. an unbelievable season. Um, and he flat out said, I'm playing with my teammates. He played his butt off. Yeah. He was out there on the field. And, and when they lost that game in the last seconds, that guy was pouring his heart out, you know, yeah. just as much as any other player. And, by the way, he was drafted as the number one overall pick. He was pick. drafted. Was. Um, I, I, you mentioned the University of Texas in, in, in 2017. You know, I, I talked to Coach Herman about this a lot. And, and you know, again, he respects the, the decisions that were made uh, in the, in the, in the uh, student-athlete's mind. You know, when you look at what happened with Texas, they had seven players that were either injured or, um, for other reasons, were not able to play. Seven starters that were not able to play in that game against Missouri. That meant seven players that wouldn't have typically gotten that opportunity moved up in the depth chart. They got to play on a big-time stage, a full house here. And Coach has said that that success that those players had, that experience that they had, was a huge catalyst for the success that Texas had last year. Yep. So, you know, there's certainly many sides to this this equation, but I do think um, at the end of the day that the Bulls, uh, the Bulls uh, will certainly benefit from having the best product on the field, but there's a lot of reasons why those kids should be playing, and, and that, that's a decision that's up to them. No doubt, and I think <clears throat> there will be over the next few years as – we learn more about that process. I think there will be more and more players that go, oh, wait a second, this is looked down upon a little bit more by the NFL. And here's the other thing, too. If you're playing in this game in particular, you're playing in an NFL building. Right. You're playing in front of NFL coaches. The NFL, I mean, our, our entire scouting staff, I think, was there for that particular game. So you have that. I mean, it's an audition, if, if, if anything else. But I think it's interesting you brought up Texas – Texas and Rice, we've got that game coming in here September 14th, and tickets are going on sale this Friday. But I'm, I'm pumped. You talked about uh, Texas and Tom Herman and what they've done and how they've, I don't say turned things around, but really 
have got things going in the right direction. I think one of the one of the things you'll see this weekend, or uh, in a couple weekends, because you'll see the NFL draft. You'll see players from the University of Texas taken. You'll see little Jordan Humphrey. You'll see Charles Amenehu. And that's just going to be the start. I think what you're going to see down the road more and more years after this is you're going to see Texas with five, six, seven guys drafted each and every year with the recruiting that Tom's doing there. How exciting is it to have a team of that caliber coming off that winning against Georgia to have them here the second week, probably second, third week of the season against Rice on that Saturday following University of Houston and Washington State? I mean, it's the biggest weekend of college football in the history of this this stadium in this community um, to have uh, the local hometown teams playing in big-time games against big-time opponents. Um, you know, I, I think it's a huge opportunity for both of these institutions. You look at you look at uh, Mike Bloomgren and what he's doing over at Rice his second year. I mean, got one of the best recruiting classes that they've had um, in in a long, long time over yep. at Rice. Uh, he comes in bringing um, a lot of energy to the program. They had a tough year last year. It was a rebuilding year. They're in the midst of a transition. Um, but he couldn't be more excited. I was at an event with him just last week, and he couldn't be more excited about the trajectory of where things are compared to where he wants them to be um, and, and what he's building over there. They've got uh, already looking towards 2020. Um, they're, they're, they're currently in a place where they're the highest, and you know this as well as, as, well as anybody, uh, the highest-ranked recruiting class that they've ever had um, already at this point. So, you know, I, I think the opportunity to play on a big-time stage against a big-time opponent is certainly going to be beneficial uh, to Rice and what he's trying to do. They've got a really tough, tough stretch to open up. They have yeah. Wake, Army, Texas, and Baylor. <laughs> Woo! Um, wow. So, uh, you know, being here in this environment will certainly be helpful, but uh, let's make no mistake about it. There will be a lot of Longhorns here to watch Tom Herman and, and the Longhorns build on um, what they've uh, they've built over the last couple of years since uh, his arrival. I mean, Texas is, is not in a rebuild. They're in a reload at this point. And, then, and you saw the, the, the confidence that they had really coming out of that win over Missouri in the Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl in 2017 um, last year. Really a great run through the Big 12, uh, key wins over Oklahoma, uh, a couple of near misses, uh, and then that huge win over Georgia. You know, I, I think they've got a, a shot to um, to do something special. Their schedule is lined up um, really well. They play LSU in Austin How about that? week two. <laughs> so coming out of uh, coming out of that game, they're going to come here to Houston. Yep. And uh, so uh, there, there was definitely going to be a lot of excitement and a lot of energy, and there already are a ton of Longhorns here in, in Houston, as we've seen over the years. So we're really fired up about this entire weekend this game in particular um you know is is something that uh anytime the longhorns are here uh it's always a big deal in houston um opportunity to get your tickets this friday starting at 10 a.m um riceowls.com lsse.net either one of those are a great way to do it um but we hope we can see you out here uh, as i mentioned uh on this show and in previous shows um this is going to be the, the weekend of September 13th and 14th, the biggest college football weekend that has ever graced our community. Two enormous matchups, so it uh, should be a lot of fun. And I know our group, and I, I know you are, looking forward to uh, to getting that college football machine rolling again, yep. uh, especially when oh, you yeah. see those kind of matchups on the horizon. No doubt. I, I, I hate to say this, but I really hope that we have a home game that weekend so I can make a full weekend out of it. Because if not, then we'll be traveling on that Saturday. I know, which I know. Would, which would stink because I, I just – I love being in this building for college football games. I, I love it. I, I love the environment for the kickoff game, uh, for the bowl game. I just love, I love being here for it. And I think uh, a matchup of, of Texas and Rice just being here. I, when Texas was here for the bowl game, it, it just it felt different. 
it felt different. I mean, it was that's I don't know the right way of saying it, but it just felt different. Like, yeah, okay, this is pretty cool. Yeah, like this is this is important. Texas is here. I mean, it was it was like that when they came for the bowl game. Although Arkansas beat them a few years ago, but it was kind of like that before. And I know some people don't like to hear that, but it just felt it felt different and felt cool from that perspective. RiceIsles.com, LSSC.net. That's where you can get your tickets on sale this Friday. Get your tickets for those for that matchup, Texas versus Rice. Fletch, appreciate your time, brother. Thank you, Johnny. Coming up next, it is our Wednesday night draft. Tonight, we are drafting football pet peeves. Oh, yeah, you all know you have them. We'll dive into those for DP Drew and myself next right here on Texans All Access. One final segment of Texans All Access, and it is our Wednesday night draft. I'm John. That is Drew. Hi, Hi. Drew. Hey. And that is DP. DP, hi. Hi, guys. So it's our Wednesday night draft, and I came up with a topic that is it's a little controversial because Drew is not totally sure that he's going to be able to find it enough to make it through a draft. I don't know that I, I think, hate enough things like you do. I think <laughs> he's not as angry as us. I think there's going to be enough that you're going to find because tonight is our football pet peeve draft. We all have them. All of us, and we have multiple ones. We all have things that we're just like, oh, that's I, that drives me insane. That's my biggest pet peeve. Like, here's an example. This is one I was thinking about drafting, but I figured I'd, I'd go with this. I cannot stand the fact that when an offensive team fumbles. Here's an example. Remember Seattle in 2017? We, I think we were up 14-7. We were up 14-7. It was a third down. Russell Wilson went back to throw and Clowney sacked him like and, and hit his arm. And the ball went forward. And Luke Wilson, like 20 yards downfield, Luke Wilson fell on it. And at first they ruled that it was incomplete. Then they went and replayed it. Pete Carroll threw the flag. They, re, they reviewed it. And Seattle gained a huge advantage by recovering a fumble. It's like, wait a second. No, no fumble should Ever no offensive fumble should ever be recovered at the spot. Well, like that's that's like the nonsense from Monday night. That poor Italian kid from Texas Tech getting the thing at the end of overtime. Right. I mean that. Yeah. yeah. Same same type of difference. Like that's same my pet peeve. An offensive yeah. an offensive fumble should never be recovered ahead. If you recover it, great. But it should yeah. go back to the spot of the fumble. It's my pet peeve that that hasn't changed. It's a pretty obscure pet peeve. I know, okay. but that's what I'm saying. I have some obscure ones. I'm one sure play. they're. Yeah. It's not one play. I've seen it. I'm seeing it numerous times. But that's just the one example I could come up with. I got you. It's good. It's good. I might get in trouble with mine. That's fine. That's fine. You can get in trouble. I might get a talking to from bosses here. No. Are, are we doing no. a draft order? I yes, don't understand we're doing a draft order. DP, you go first. Are we snaking? No, we don't have to snake. <laughs> I can't. Like yeah. No, we don't have to snake. Oh, okay, but we're gonna okay. we're gonna we're gonna I don't draft know how many rounds peeps. I can go. Because I, I figured you guys might have some of the same pet peeves I do, and probably. then you would have drafted them ahead of me, and so then you can have them. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So don't bag on the Wednesday night draft, DP. I okay. Mean, well, I love the draft. No, no, I just, no, 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 no. It's great. I'm not prepared. Well, you are. You are. You'll come Even up Even though with I tried stuff. to prepare. Yeah. You want me to go first to kind of kick things off? I mean, no, I gave no, you an I got, example. I got one. I got you got one. one. Okay. I got one. All right. I got a few. But, DP, you go first. All right. My first one is a pretty basic one, and being an engineer, this has always bugged me. <laughs> Ball spotting, like the fact that oh. that after a play, a player can pick up the ball and just put it wherever he wants, and then a ref picks it up and puts it wherever he wants. I just don't understand why technology can't be involved in this. That's a good one. Like, See? Put a That's chip a in the ball. Tennis. Mm-hmm. Ten- My husband watches a ton of tennis. Um, what do they? What do they call it? Eagle eye, Hawkeye. Yeah, uh, technology. Yeah. So I Hawkeye, know what you're talking Hawkeye about. Hawkeye technology. Hawkeye, yeah. So in te- in tennis, the Hawkeye technology can not only show you where the ball 
landed, it also shows you the trajectory of where it was headed. Yep. So, you know, and they've been doing it. They've been doing it for at least or close to 20 years. I don't understand why we can't put a chip in the football. I that's a that's a great one. That's the a great number one, one because yeah, you watch the game, it affects this, the yeah. entire it, it affects every game multiple times. I just I you always disagree with the spot. People are like oh, that's not a good spot. That's a right. good spot. Like on every single controversial. Play. It's a game of inches that's getting bigger, stronger, faster, and exactly we yes. Oh, I think he fell right there. That's a good one. I like that one. Thank you. All right, Drew, you go. All right. Your turn. I get angry here at NRG Stadium when the Texans have four cracks at the end zone, don't get in, and then we shoot the cannon off after <laughs> the Texans kick a field goal. That that infuriates me. Yeah. Okay, it it's it's that's no fun when you don't score. Right. But they're trying. They're try but we don't need to shoot a cannon. <laughs> when we kick a freaking field goal, From inside we the could tank. have had four more points. Yeah, yes. I got you. I, it, it, it just makes me mad. I don't know. Now, Kaimi Fairbairn bangs through like a 53-yarder. That's cool. Shoot the cannon, cannon three times. He deserves a cannon <laughs> shot. Three but times. But I think even Kaimi would tell you, I don't need the cannon if you know I'm kicking a 19-yard field goal, and et cetera, et cetera. Anyways. See? You didn't think you were going to do very yeah. well. I think that's, I think that's a great one. I'm probably going to get talked to about this. No. But I, you know what? I think I speak for many. I think you could have dueling cannons if you hit a 50-plus yard from both sides. That's fine. There should be like a spectrum okay. celebration. Why not have 54 cannons? I'm going to get in trouble with the defensive backs. I'm going to get in trouble with the defensive backs with mine. So here's mine. I've seen so many defensive backs do this, and it drives me insane. Oh, I and there was, there was a video of this, and I, I laughed hysterically because this is so true. I can't tell you how many times I've seen defensive backs after a wide receiver drops a pass or it's overthrown just a little bit that the defensive backs come up and give the no good signal like they've done something. (laughs) You haven't done anything, bro. You were burned or you weren't where you were supposed to be. That guy just dropped it, and you're walking up going, no good. Like, you haven't done anything. He's just letting everybody no. know it's no good, Johnny. No. He's not taking credit for it. No, we I, trust me. There were there were defensive backs that did that. Like, I didn't have any problem with Kareem. I had a little problem with Kareem. When Kareem, there'd be a play, and Kareem would come up, and he'd do the finger like that, like, don't, don't come at me. I have a little problem with that one, too, because, you know, the guy might have, like, eight or nine catches, but then Kareem knocked off, knocked down that. Now, he didn't do that when it was a drop or it was overthrow or something like that. But there are defensive backs. I'm trying to remember the one I saw do this, and I just – I was studying a prospect, and I saw this on tape, and I, like, lost my mind. He was like, the guy was beat by five yards. The ball was two or three yards over his head. And he was signaling no good like he had done something. I'm like, I, I almost lost my mind. So that's mine. Defensive backs signaling no good when they haven't done anything and it's a drop or it was an overthrow. So that's my that's my first one. All right. That I, works. I think in my second round, I'm going to go off the field into stadium etiquette. Okay. I'm going to take all of stadium etiquette because I feel like I could write a rule book on stadium etiquette. I've watched a lot of games from the stands, and I it makes me so mad when people get up in the middle of a play and it's oh. like, this is when I would like to get a beer. Like, ball leaves quarterback's hands, ball is in the air, guy goes right in front of me. Mm-hmm. Like, you couldn't just wait a fraction of a second for the play to be over. Baseball does a good job of not letting people go to their seats in between pitches. Yeah. I think in football, 
They should not let people, people shouldn't get up or sit down or decide to leave in the middle of a play. Just wait in between downs. There's lots of idle time in between See, downs. that's how out of touch I am because does that happen a lot? I, I just don't go to, the only games I go to are Texas. Are, are ours. Uh, yeah. I believe that, you, I just don't, no, I'm all, out of touch. Used, My wife tells me about that all the time, like really? where they are. They're like right in the middle of the road. They used to be on the oh. edge and they loved it. Yeah. But then they got put in the middle and they've got two seats in the middle and people are just up and down. And my daughter's the one who gets upset. Because people are like, yeah, you have to get up, you have to get up, let them through, and you can't see what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Seems like a common sense thing. No, it's it's not. It's not. And it depends (laughs) on where you you sit. It's not. not. (laughs) Uh, We used to sit on the aisle, so people would, I mean, it was all the time, and it used to bother me when the other end of the aisle, like even if you're closer to my side, but there's nobody for the rest of the row. Mm. Like, don't make me and the kids and everybody get up when you could just go the other way where there's fewer. Like, I always count. When I'm at a game, if I'm in the middle of a row, I'll be like, okay, there's two people this way that I have to get up. Right. And maybe I just overthink these things, but it used to happen a lot. People would get up in the middle of a play. I also, as a like part B to that, um, the wave. Do you remember that game against Jacksonville a few oh, years ago mm-hmm. when fans just started doing the wave? It. Like the wave. See, I don't was, hate that. I don't care. It, the game was in, within reach still. It wasn't like it was just a blowout. Ban it. But just, I wanted to watch you, the why game. Why do you guys hate it? I hate, because I hate the wave. Your, same reason. Because just, I'm you're not wa- arguing for it. I just don't understand. The I can't stand it. it. Because, Take it deep. Because the, and the, for the same reason, you're watching the play. And all of a sudden, oh, here comes the wave in our section and everybody gets up. And it could be like a really important play or something really meaningful is happening. And I just I just hate that feeling of, oh, it's coming and that's, everyone's going to stand up. And I don't know what part of the game it's going to be. And maybe <laughs> I, I mean, I don't mind if you're standing up to cheer. But it happens so quickly, like. No, but it's... But people get up and do the wave when we're on offense. Yeah, yeah. No, don't do that. I also hate in baseball. They haven't done it here. No, we don't do it I don't like it. I've seen it at different places, though. It doesn't happen here. We don't do the wave here. I see it at Astros games. At the Astros game, when when the Astros are pitching, they shouldn't do the wave. (laughs) Don't you agree? I, I, I don't. Don't you agree? I, I guess I just don't stand up when it I comes to like me. Like, don't, don't distract our either. pitcher. I always, <laughs> I always just stay seated when the wave comes I by. Do, and I people do, look at me like I've, you know. I do, too. <laughs> I've I do kidnapped too. Their, their children or something. I'm like, I just don't stand for the wave. I mean, I've all got, right. I've well, got there's wave. There's okay. wave etiquette. I I've got, I'm going to see your Now I'm all, I'm I'm all fired up, guys. I don't mind the wave, but I don't like the dudes. I don't like guy who starts the wave. Oh, yeah, you know, he's like trying to get the whole place to start the wave. Like, hey, hey! Like, he's like, <laughs> like, okay, all right, yeah. guy. All right, Mr. Down, Cheerleader, please. you just sit back down again. Okay, just let people. <laughs> just let people. It's going to happen happen organically. But I guess it doesn't happen organically. It does not happen organically. guy who starts the wave. I hate him to equally, too, because I hate the wave. So, yeah. Okay, so it's time for mine. And I'm probably, I know, I know I'm going to get in trouble from my fellow brethren out there in the media, but. Here is my it's, – it's not just football media, but football media does this too. And you know exactly – it's two words. And when you hear it, it's like nails on a chalkboard. Talk about. Oh, no, yeah. Ask the question. <laughs> what do you think about this? How did you feel about that? What was going through your mind? Talk about the performance of – I cannot stand talk about. Because it's kind of an easy – it's an easy, lazy question. Like, talk about, I, I just no. need you to talk about this. Can like, you just talk about it? If, I mean, if I were I up agree there, if I were though. feeling good, if I was feeling salty one day and somebody said, talk about the Texans' offense, I'd be like, nope. Yeah, I have those vague nope. questions. <laughs> like, that one, wasn't, there a, wasn't there a Twitter account recently that was devoted just to athlete, like videos of athletes saying no or just like re- refusing to do that? I, feel, I, I think I've seen that. To talk about? Yeah, to – Talk yeah, the about questions of like talk about. Because talk about's not actually a question. Yeah. Talk about is a demand. A, yeah. 
I mean, I, I just look. There are other ways. If you want to say talk about, hey, coach, what do you think of Joey's performance today? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's saying the same thing, but you're asking a question. My pet peeve: media talkabouts. Yeah. Talk I don't like that one. All right, DB, your turn. Round three. Um, I really enjoy touchdown celebrations. I was really excited when they came back. Yeah. And it really bothers me when they don't show the entire touchdown celebration as part of the play on a broadcast. They Uh. definitely never show it as a replay, but sometimes you don't even see it the first time around. And I feel like... You know, it's hard to score touchdowns, and sometimes you just want to celebrate. This happened actually with Bruce Ellington, uh, and in New England, he yes. did the rocks. Yeah, twenty seventeen. It was a great celebration. He did the rocks. He did the elbow. He fell on. He fell down on the ground, and then a few weeks later, he had Deshaun. And he had Deshaun as the ref. Deshaun yeah. was count- and yeah, it was a great it celebration. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. Nobody saw it. It's almost like it didn't happen. And then a few weeks later, Golden Tate or somebody did the same thing, and the Rock reached out to him on Twitter and was like, "What a great celebration!" And I thought. I gotta write a story about this because yep. Bruce Ellington did it. Bruce Ellington was the first. I think the Bruce then called him out on social media, like, no, 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 I did it first. <laughs> Nobody he doesn't. He's not watching the TV copy. He doesn't know that it wasn't televised. But I yep. just think, you know, these guys work hard on their celebrations. Can we just show it? Yeah. Just maybe once. It's a good one. I, I like that, DP. Well, thank Very you. good. I like to watch celebrations too. There was, I want to say, there was a Twitter account that was devoted to the celebrations, and I, oh. I try and find it like every Monday. It's, I mean, it's really, I'm trying to remember if it's a Twitter account or I saw it somewhere. That's NFL Network. NFL Network does a good uh, recap. They do a pretty on, good job recap of them. But yeah. hopefully the, broad, the broadcast will show it. All right, Drew, round three. Uh, this is probably my final pick because okay, I'm out here and I've got to steal yours. I'm sorry, DP. Oh, what's but, mine? Uh, it involves you because you and I sit next to each other in the press boxes on the road. Yes. Oh. And when we're <laughs> yes, on the road in Indianapolis – <laughs> Right below, so we're on the second row, and then you've got to climb down about, it's probably about 10 feet, 15 feet below And those below steps us. are straight down, mm-hmm. straight down. In the first row, all of the local TV sports people from Indianapolis sit below us, and it's like a one-up type of game for the entire game yep. of these knuckleheads <laughs> trying to be funnier than the other. And they're, and they're not funny. I try to listen to their one. jokes because I thought, what are they talking about? That's so hilarious. It's never anything funny. No, no. They just all laugh uproariously. And maybe part of it is the first few years. Oh, I was is that here, a we... cold up extension cord or is that a snake? <laughs> <laughs> and then they all and laugh. Like they all just go and Drew and I are so irritated because the first few years we were losing, yes. so it made it even more annoying. But even when we're winning, it, they're just always cracking jokes. So they're doing that, and I'm up next to DP, and I'm just doing this. I'm going, shut <laughs> your <laughs> skulls. Well, you Between getting annoyed then makes me annoyed because even if I'm not paying attention to it, you being annoyed draws attention to me, <laughs> draws it to my attention, and yeah. then I'm annoyed too. I could I could see where that would I, that would not be. much kind of annoys a, me, but that annoys the absolute. Kind of an ancillary yeah. one. You know what I'm kind of an ancillary one is uh, for me is if. If you have a mic in front of your face and you're talking, don't talk to that person. Like, if you see somebody and they've got a mic in front of their <laughs> face and they're talking, they may not be live. They might be live, but they may not be. But you don't know. Assume they are. Don't, don't have a conversation. say anything to that person. And I can't tell you the number of times, be it in, like, doing a live show, like either at Fuddruckers or wherever, oh, yeah, doing yeah, a live yeah, yeah, show. Yeah, yeah down on the sidelines where I've got the mic, uh-huh. where people have come up and just they start talking to me. And I'm like, do you not see the microphone in front of my face? <laughs> I think you're talking to it's yourself. Kind of, it's kind of an ancillary to that one. And that yeah. It's like, uh, just no, just stop. Okay, my last one has to do with Sunday Night Football. One of my favorite things 
with Sunday Night Football. And this, so this is going to canvas two sports. One of my favorite things with Sunday Night Football, and I do this every – I'm weird this way, but when I watch Sunday Night Football and the players introduce themselves, and they'll say, Tom Brady, Michigan. Like I try and, you know, I try and go through the whole lineup and see if I can guess – or remember where they went to college. Oh. Yeah, it's a total. It's, so you hate when they say ball so hard university. No, I'm okay with streets that. Or, no, yeah. no, no, no. I'll tell you the one that I hate. <laughs> I was bored to do this. Charles and Menehu, the University of Texas. Oh. I can and, and University of Texas is not as bad. The Ohio as State. The, the Ohio, Ohio State, State University. <laughs> Just say Ohio State. Like, I get it. You went to Ohio State. You went to one of the great universities in the country. You can just say Ohio State. That's it. You can just say Ohio State. It doesn't have to be the Ohio State University. The the guy is the one that I, irritates you. The, yeah, I the, agree the with guy you. The is guy. like, no, is we irritating. don't need the. I like going through numbers like Michigan, Auburn, whatever. I don't care too, too much like for like they, ball so hard. Like, punch, I, at his, you know, punch at his elementary. Nin, <laughs> what did Antonio Smith, he did the Ninja, the ninja Institute? Like some or, of those are funny. Like, <laughs> love those. When Suggs, when Sizzle did uh, ball, ball so hard, hard, I was like, I, kinda, I laughed. <laughs> I, it's funny. I Ed, laughed. I was Ed okay Reed with said, that. Ed Reed said I was born to do this. Remember that? It, well, mm. uh, I'm not going to comment on that. Chris Myers uh, said his middle school or elementary school during I one of the I think they games. all did, yeah, the – Texans O-line did that one. They I'll, did it one year. I'll right? ask Wade. He's coming in uh, at some I didn't mind soon. that. I do like that. I didn't mind that like they do their elementary school or They're their They're still shouting or, out their school. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine with that. But when, I thought that's where you were going to go with this. But like I, don't, I don't mind that. College, <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. No, they, they're like, hey, I went to Pinochle Elementary or what? Like, I'm, I'm cool with that. I don't care. But it's like Slap when, they Jack the whole, when they do the, the Ohio State University, I'm just like I cringe right. every time. Like, oh, like. Weirdly, though, I'm okay with the U. Like, I, everybody, I guess maybe because it's associated with Miami, like, I get it. And there are two Miamis. So when they say the U, we know, which is ironic because up in Minnesota, they call Minnesota. Minnesotans call, hey, where'd you go to school? Oh, I went to the U. They're not talking about Miami, they're talking about Minnesota. So it is a little different that way. But, like, I'm okay with that. Like, the U, but, like, the Ohio State University or the University of Texas or the University of Georgia drives me insane. <laughs> I don't know why. It just drives me absolutely and totally no, insane. I know we didn't get to all of them, but speaking of Minnesota, I thought of my other pet peeve, which is, like, a side pet peeve, but that Viking horn, which I always <clears> thought was so cool on the broadcast. I just loved it growing up. It just reminded me of being in Minnesota, the Vikings playing on television. And the, one of the, the first game I ever went to was a preseason game in Minnesota, mm-hmm. and I was so excited to hear yeah, it. The, when they, they were warming up, and they, they played the Viking horn. I was really excited. I was like, wow, I'm, I'm playing. In the, I'm working in the NFL. It's like the Ewok the horn, horn from so cool. Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Midway <laughs> through the – Yeah, I guess so. Midway through the first quarter, though, I was done with it because they, they over, over, oh, yeah, over, right. over did the horn. Oh, I think you're – no. And I then think a few you're years scarred ago, by the regular season game. They, they scored ago. like 30 oh. points in the first six Yeah, minutes. we heard a lot. We heard that on the Skull well, Channel. Well, they did that damn Skull Channel. That was – that was a new that chance. That was scary. I was got like, it down. So if oh you don't like God. that, I, I got to give the Foghorn in New England a uh, uh, close second. Then that. And, oh. Scott, and Scott Zolzak. Oh, uh, now that you've got the New England one, let's go to our final pet peeve, and that's playing that damn song, The Outfield. Yeah, Scott Zolak singing. I, that, that's, a, that's a big <laughs> one. Oh, God. I hope, when we, I hope when, when we beat them this year. They didn't play it this year, did they? They did at the very end. No, I don't remember hearing it the this year. Final, the final. In the last right 30 the, seconds, they played it. I think, well, they did they last did. year. Last they third. played it this oh. year. Yeah, they did in 2017. They played it. They I, did. I made fun of right them. After, right after they scored, yeah. they played it. I remember that because I just remember saying to Mark in my ear, I was like, they're playing a damn song. 
But I didn't remember hearing it I last thought they year. Played it. I thought they played it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I hope we it. troll them. I hope we play that damn thing after we beat them here. That would be kind of nice. So we got to get in Gavin's here. DP, Drew, thank you very thank much. Thank you. Thanks, into your pet peeves. Thank you very much. It's been a great show. Appreciate all you guys listening. We'll see you tomorrow. And as always, go text.